Fantastic. Well, good morning, church. If you have your Bibles, take your copy and turn with me to the book of Job. The book of Job, perhaps you've pronounced it Job, because it is spelled J-O-B, but it's actually pronounced Job. Job is in the Old Testament. Uh, it's towards the middle of the Old Testament. If you're having trouble finding it, just find the book of Psalms and take a left, okay? We'll be in Job chapter 40 as we continue our series called God is the Question. This is part six of a seven-week series where we've been looking at questions God asks, as we've seen every week, as I pointed out to you uh, big time the first week, is that instead of giving us answers, God and Jesus give us questions, questions that help us unpack what's going on in our heart. Job asked a question, or God asked Job a question today, one of the responses that we tend to get when we ask this question of God, why does suffering and evil happen to good people, to people that seemingly haven't done anything wrong? And yet God asks a question. Actually, God asks a lot of questions to Job in response. Uh, as you're turning there, just a reminder to you that one, uh, Dave Cruz and I unpack more and more of the content of the sermon on our podcast, West Franklin Talks, goes live every Monday morning. And also, if you received a bulletin via by, either by text or by email, uh, there's some table talk questions. You can call them whatever you want, but they're questions to help you individually as a group or even as a family to ask and just dive into more of the content. So hopefully you found the book of Job, chapter 40. I'm going to invite you to stand with me again, and we're going to read verses 1 and 2 to kick things off. Job chapter 40, beginning with verse 1. The Lord answered Job. Will the one who contends with the Almighty correct him? Let him who argues with God give an answer. Look at the question again. Will the one who contends with the Almighty correct him? Father, we are so prone to declare that we know what's going on when really we don't. And as has already been, the table been set for us this morning with the music and scriptures that have been on the screen, you are God and we aren't. So I pray that through the message of the book of Job, through what is set up here on this platform, you would bring us humbling freedom where you would break us, reminding us that we are mere mortals and you are God and you would set us free in that. I ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, you can be seated. I'm guessing everybody in here has an opinion about our current president. Some of you believe our current president, President Trump, is an angel and do no wrong. Others of, you probably, others of you may believe that President Trump is a moron and can't do anything right. You probably stand somewhere on one side or the other. Uh, maybe some of you are in between, but I think all of us can agree with this. Whether you uh, think he's an angel or a moron, you probably said to yourself or to someone close to you before, he would probably be a, be a lot better off if he would just be quiet. If he would just get off the Twitter Maybe he would just just just, he would just just keep his mouth shut every now and then. Maybe 
we listen a little more. Perhaps you've thought that, perhaps you haven't. I know I have. I've thought, mm, just shh. There's an opinion piece on the Washington Post this week, and the Washington Post, the headline read this way, Trump at last debuted a new, more presidential tone, then he opened his mouth. You got a friend like that? You got a friend that just talks so much, you're just like, shh. Things would go a lot better for you and for others if you would just be quiet. Shut your trap. There's, you just want to tell them there's a reason God gave you two ears and one mouth. Use your ears twice as much as you use your mouth. Shh. Every time I think about people talking too much or people being quiet, my mind goes back to my seventh grade social studies teacher, Joe Sparkman. Joe Sparkman was a huge man, huge, and he wore an obvious toupee that everyone knew about. So as a seventh grade teacher, he was made fun of quite often. And we would talk just so he would say certain phrases to us. Seventh grade, huge man, huge toupee, and he would call us by our last name to tell us to be quiet. And he would hold up his hand like this with a big meaty hand and say, Pearson, shut your mouth. That's how he would do it. So I always think that, just Pearson, shut your mouth. I can just hear him say it. He would do it much better than I am doing it. The book of Job is God's very gentle, quiet, kind, God-like way of saying, Job, shut your mouth. Job, you aren't God. I am. Don't tell me how to run my universe. I am God, you are man. Shut your mouth. They say opinions are like belly buttons. Everybody's got one. Especially during this season, it's like all of us have 15 different belly buttons for each issue. There are theories about masks. There are theories about when things are going to get back to normal. There are theories about COVID-19. Here are a couple that I've heard, theories that are out there. It escaped from a Chinese lab. It is a biological weapon. It is a USA virus. And one theory out there is that 5G networks are accelerating the spread of the virus. Another theory, it was unleashed by Bill Gates. It's all about money. It's all a hoax. It's not real. My personal theory, my personal opinion is that was started by Nick Saban. Nick Saban realized that his team was not going to be of championship caliber, and so he started a pandemic in order to stop the college football season. That's ridiculous, isn't it, right? It's ridiculous. It's probably true, but it's ridiculous. We all have opinions about what is really going on. And the book of Job is a reminder that we don't know. We're not God. And so quit trying to tell God how it goes. Let God be God. You ever been suffering or in pain and you try to tell someone what's going on, what's wrong? Or have you ever been in suffering and in pain and you didn't ask why, but they're telling you why? You just want to say, shut your mouth. By the time we get to Job chapter 40, verse 2, God has already asked close to 50 questions of Job. 
That started in chapter 38. Questions of who do you think you are? Of course, God does it in a much nicer, gentler, but yet firm way. See, Job's a fascinating book, very important book. It it tries to answer the question, why do horrible, evil, suffering things happen to good people? And it never really answers the question. But it gives us a perspective. I encourage you to read the whole book. It's a very long book, chapter uh, 42 chapters. I encourage you to read the whole book. But if you don't have time to read the whole book, read the first two chapters, and then flip over to chapter 38 and read 38 through 42. You say, well, why not the middle? I'll tell you in just a second. You see, the book opens by telling us Job was a very righteous man. God-fearing man, knew the Lord, loved the Lord, and was very blessed, had a huge family, they all loved each other, they spent time together, had a huge farm, had a huge business, was very, very wealthy, very, very healthy, everything for Job was going well. And then the Bible tells us that God and Satan have this cosmic conversation. And Satan taunts God, basically saying, let me tell you why Job honors you and is righteous. That's because he's got everything going his way. He's got it made. If you take away what he's got, if you take away what Job's got, I guarantee you he'll curse you, God. And so God says to Satan, do as you wish. Just don't touch Job. (laughs) It's kind of scary. (laughs) God tells Satan, do whatever you want. Just don't touch him. And so before Job can have his morning coffee the next day, before he finishes his Folgers, he learns that there's been a flood, there's been an earthquake, there's been a fire, there's been a tornado, everything's gone. His his children are dead, his barns are down, his animals are dead, he's lost his business, he's lost his house, he's lost it all. Unspeakable suffering and pain. And the curtain closes on chapter one. Chapter two opens, Satan comes back to God. And by the way, Job didn't curse God after he lost everything. Satan comes back and says, I know why he hadn't cursed you. That's because you didn't let me touch him. If you let me bother Job himself, I guarantee you he'll curse you. And guess what God says? Go ahead, do whatever you want to to Job, just don't kill him. (laughs) Again, very comforting. Do whatever you want to Job, just don't kill him. And so before Job can have his morning coffee again, he wakes up with boils all over his body, disease ravishing him on the inside and the outside. He can't even sit down well. And by the time the curtain closes at the end of Job chapter 2, his friends don't recognize him. He's lost everything. And his happy marriage is now gone because his wife, how she stayed alive, I don't know. But his wife is begging him to curse God and die. So glorious, fun book. And that's how Job 1 and 2 begins. Suffering, 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 pain, pain, pain. And guess what happens in chapters 3 through 37? You ready for it? That's why I told you you could skip it. I encourage you to read it. I mean, it's the Word of God. There's some good stuff in there. But let me just give you the cliff notes. Job has four friends that show up. And you know what Job and his four friends do for 37 chapters? Talk, 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 talk. They share their opinions. 
They give their insight. Here's why this happened to you, Job. I know why this happened. Do you remember that time you did this? That's why this is happening to you, Job. God's doing this because of this, and God's doing that because of this. I know this is happening now because you, you said this one time about God, and God's getting you back for this, and on and on and on and on. Aren't you glad they didn't have Facebook? Can you imagine Job suffering because of opinion after opinion after opinion after opinion, declaring to God and to one another what God is doing. And you know what God's doing for 36, 37 chapters? Just standing back, waiting his turn. Just like a gentleman, patiently waiting until they're done. And they talk, and they talk, and they talk. And finally, God speaks. They're trying to figure out why Job is suffering, why Job is having to go through all this. This seemingly innocent guy, why is he having to experience all this? And finally, chapter 38, God speaks. And you know what he does? He throws out a litany of questions, not telling him outright to shut his mouth. It's much more potent than that. Telling him, you have no clue, Job. I wish we had time to read all of these questions. We just don't. But if you want to humble your soul and to put your soul in a proper perspective, let me encourage you to go slowly and read chapters 38, 39, 40, 41, and 42 of Job. Just do that this week. Take a chapter a day and just slowly read through it and let the Spirit of God give, put you and me in proper perspective. Let me give you a sample of some of these verses. Chapter 38, verse, verse four. This, this, this is what God is answer, saying to Job after Job and his friends have just been dialoguing and declaring what God is obviously doing. Finally, God speaks. In verse four, we read, where were you when I established the earth? Who fixed its dimensions? Who stretched a measuring line across it? Verse 12, have you ever in your life commanded the morning or assigned the dawn its place? Verse 22, have you entered the place where the snow is stored or have you seen the storehouses of hail? Verse 28, does the rain have a father? Who fathered the drops of dew? Whose womb did the ice come from? Who gave birth to the frost of heaven? Verse 34, can you command the clouds so the flood of water covers you? Can you send out lightning bolts and they go in? Do they report to you? Here we are. Verse 41, who provides the raven's food when its young cry out to God and wonder about for lack of food? Chapter 39, verse 19, do you give strength to the horse? Do you adorn his neck with a mane? Do you make him leap like a locust? Verse 26, does the hawk take flight by your understanding and spread its wings to the south? Does the eagle soar at your command and make its nest on high? Question after question after question. Oh, you obviously were there when I made the earth and I measured how long it was. You told me how far to measure, didn't you, Job? Oh, yeah. Oh, you know how I'm supposed to run the universe? Did you put a mane on the horse? Was that your responsibility? Did you tell me a horse needed its mane? Oh, no, you didn't. But you, you told me that a horse could leap like a locust if I gave it strength. That must have, do you know where I keep the snow? Do you know where I keep the hail? Do you know where I keep the lightning bolts? Do you tell the lightning bolts where to go? No, you don't tell 
tell the lightning bolts where to go. Oh, when you need rain, do you tell the rain clouds to come and cover you? Is that how it goes? Did you tell the hawk how to fly? How's, how's that working for you? Did you? Do you know how that? What about when the ravens cry out for food? Do you give them food? Job, shut your mouth. I wonder what God does when he scrolls our social media feeds. We're good at telling God what he's doing, aren't we? We don't have a clue. And we're not supposed to. Guess what? We aren't God. You know what Job did after God's questions? He shut his mouth. Look at verse 3 of chapter 40. Then Job answered the Lord, I am so insignificant. How can I answer you? I place my hand over my mouth. I have spoken once and I will not reply twice, but now I can add nothing. Mission accomplished. I knew what you were doing, but I don't, I don't have a clue. I'm just going to put my hand over my mouth. And then you know what God does for another chapter and a half? The same thing again. He starts asking more questions and more questions and more questions and more questions. And now he throws in the Leviathan. He said, oh, did you, did you do that? So for another chapter and a half, almost two chapters, God asks more and more questions. And the book ends so beautifully because Job gets the point. In chapter 42, verse 1, we read this. Then Job replied to the Lord, I know that you can do anything and no plan of yours can be thwarted. By the way, if you underline in your Bible, underline that. That is an amazing discovery or revelation that Job had. No plan of yours can be thwarted. Verse 3, Job saying of God, you asked me, who is this who conceals my counsel with ignorance. Surely I spoke about things I did not understand, things too wondrous for me to know. God again, Job saying to God again, you said, listen now and I will speak. When I question you, you will inform me. Verse 5, I had heard reports about you, but now my eyes have seen you. Therefore, I reject my words and I'm sorry for them. I am dust and ashes. It worked. You say, well, what worked? God wanted Job to be quiet. You see, sometimes I fear that we make having an answer to our problems our God instead of letting God be our answer. Sometimes I fear you would rather be right and that be your God than knowing God himself. We've heard it all, hadn't we? God's judging America. Maybe. How do you know? God's judging the church. Maybe. 
Are you him? It's the end times. I hope so. But how do you know? Did you know that this isn't the first pandemic? And get this, this isn't the first time we've had a mask mandate in America. It's happened before. One commentator says of chapter 42 that Job is getting the point, a finite creature who has no wisdom to run this world and is utterly ignorant of 99.99% of its processes has no business instructing his maker and ruler how to run the world, even condemning God for the way he runs it. I don't know about you, but I'd rather our church be known not for giving our opinions, but for declaring God is good, period. We just don't know, but God does, and that's okay. I fear many times the answer to our why questions becomes our God rather than God being the answer. And if you would rather be right in your opinion than know God, check your soul. Because the goal of the book of Job isn't to give questions to answer, uh, give answers to questions. The goal of the book of Job is to teach us what we need is God. You say, well, why does God allow horrific things? Why does God allow horrible things? I don't know. But one of the most beautiful verses in the Bible is found in chapter 42, verse 5. Did you catch it a second ago? Job 42, verse 5. It's a fascinating verse. I love it. Verse 5 of chapter 42, Job says this, I had heard reports about you, but now my eyes have seen you. Think about that. Job 1 and 2 opened up with him being a righteous man, him being a, no, a man who knows God, a man who follows God, a man who obeys God. But now at the end of the book, after all these things have happened, he said, I just knew reports about you. I'd gone to Bible studies and I'd studied about you and I had some, I had some knowledge about you. But now that this has happened, I realized that I just knew a little bit about you, but now I've seen you. You say, why do bad things happen, pastor? I don't know. But what I do know is that God may not give you the answer now or ever, but the purpose is that you know him. That's the goal. Is to help you know God. Before I just knew you, but if this had never happened, I wouldn't see you. Now I see. Some of you have friends that are suffering, are in pain. Some of you yourself may be suffering and in pain. Let me tell you what your friends don't need. They don't need you to talk and give them a theology lesson. 
They just need your presence. The smartest thing Job's friends do is just sit with him for a few, for a few days before they open their mouth. They should have never opened their mouth. Sometimes you just need to sit with somebody. Others of you, you're suffering right now and you think God's punishing you for something you've done. You're going through pain. You're hurting. And the evil one, social media, your friends, your family is telling you what's because you did that thing. Hear me. If you're in Christ, you'll never, ever suffer for your sins. There are consequences to sin, yes. But don't you dare let Satan or anybody tell you that you're suffering because of your sin. That's been paid for by Jesus. You say, well, why is God allowing it? I don't know other than he wants you to know him. So church at West Franklin, let's remember he is God and we aren't. And a lot of times the best thing we can do is to keep our mouths shut and declare, if we declare anything, God is good. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the book of Job. Would you put us in our place? And as you do, when you put us in our place, may you do it because we are beholding how big and great you are. Father, may we be very, very slow to listen, slow, slow to speak and quick to listen. Please. May we not make declarations about things we really don't know about. May we leave that to you. For those that are suffering and hurting now, I pray that they'd be able to say they see you. And regardless of why you're allowing this pandemic and all this stuff to happen now, may, be, may we be okay that we don't know. But may you show us who you are. This I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.